0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm really excited to welcome back to the show author Tim Dingus. Last time we talked about t-shirts, and this time we talk props, visual aids. Tim, thank you for being here. Your new book, it's called The Power of Props, Life Lessons for Any Gathering. Wow, can't wait to talk about this one.
1: It is, Corey. Good to talk to you again. It's It's been a while since I was able to re- release my third book, but here it is. It's sort of been an accumulation of these different public speaking or sitting around the campfire with Boy Scouts or Lunch and Learns at my company. I realized I had these things. They were all in different places. And when I put them together, there was over 50 of them. So that's why I decided to tweak it and uh, put together a book. Wow. Was this a quick thing for you? Did it take a while? It took a little bit of while, not just the writing part, but I'm also a photographer. So I wanted to have a photo at the top of each of these lessons, each of these stories, to give person an idea of what prop I'm talking about. Of course, I really, really encourage them to make it their own, Hmm. but I had to do the photography too. So I was sort of double dipping on the time spent on the book.
0: Now you got 50 ideas in here. Do you ever have trouble coming up with ideas? You seem to be just full of a lot of really fun things. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot bouncing around up there. (laughs) Well, the reason
1: that I end up having this accumulation is because, you know, when when I own my company and we were doing promotional products, we would have the customers come in. And of course, the goal that you wanted to teach them for that particular year presented itself and you just had to figure out a way to make it teachable and make it attainable for them to retain it way after the lunch. Well, the same thing happened with the Boy Scouts or Rotary when I was president of the Rotary, or when I do a presentation at church, they sort of hand it to you, and you sort of have to figure out how you're going to make it appealing, entertaining, and retainable. There was a gal a long time ago in our church, I was probably in my 30s, and she would challenge the pastor every Sunday, tell me what the sermon is in one sentence. And at the back of the church, before she went to the front to do the children's message, hand me a prop. I don't care what it is. So he would hand her a banana or a chocolate chip cookie or a spoon and tell her what the sermon is. Wow. And by the time she walked from the back to the front, Patty Anderson had something to connect to teach those
0: kids. It was amazing. And that's what sort of inspired me from way, way back. What is it about visual aids that? lead to that spike in retention well it's an attention getter and it will sometimes
1: make a personal analogy within that individual's head and it's not necessarily everybody has the same analogy or the same analogy that you're drawing from the life lesson to the prop one time when i was doing a a boy scout dinner uh, where we were passing out merit badges and recognition and stuff like that i had a life lesson that i wanted to teach And I wrapped the entire crowd of about 70 or 80 people in toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's going to get somebody's attention. I love it. And then theoretically, they're going to remember the point of the story was Mm. to be somebody's toilet paper when they have a bad day and everybody has bad days. So theoretically, whenever they go into the bathroom and they look at that toilet paper, they're going to go, oh, I remember that no matter how long ago it was. Theoretically,
0: Theoretically. you don't know, you never know. (laughs) I'm excited for that fourth book that you mentioned. We were chatting a little bit before the show and you were going into the nuts and bolts of it. This is truly a unique project. I love it. So, can you tell us all about it?
1: Yes, it's called The Moment We Met. I am telling everybody up front that it is 3% truth and 97% fabrication. Let's put it that way, (laughs) because I wanted to be able to create these mini stories. They are not connected by any means. I sent out 200 little questionnaires to people I know, anybody from the gal that cuts my hair, to people that I graduated from high school with, to my old girlfriend, to family members. I mean, it's all over the road. And I asked them five very simple questions and I got those answers. Well, now it's my job to connect those random answers for that person and make up a story about the moment we met. I did this during COVID the underlying reasons, because I wanted people to get their mind off of all the barrage of the COVID facts and figures and doom and gloom and think out of the box a little bit. I also wanted to connect with them one way or the other, which it all worked out great. And out of 200 that I mailed out, I got 98 of them back. It was amazing.
0: But now I got a lot of work to do. (laughs) Looking forward to that, Tim. This sounds like so much fun and truly unique and ambitious as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's a lot of work there, but I I can't wait to see it out. And maybe the next time we talk, we'll we'll be able to talk about that one.
1: We will. And ambitious is a very nice word because most people say, you're crazy for doing that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it depends on your definition of crazy. Tim, thank you for coming on the show again. This book is called The Power of Props, Life Lessons for Any Gathering, written by Tim Dingus, published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere you get your reading material, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookstore as well. Tim, wow, I can't wait till we get to do this again. Thank you again for your time, sir.
1: You are more than welcome. Have a fantastic night.
0: The pain, the pleasure, and everything in between. It's the new book by Holland, and it's out there in stores right now. I have Holland here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable with me. Holland, thank you for being here.
2: Of course, thank you for having me.
0: This book seems very, very honest. Seems like you really opened up here and and you're just pouring out your soul in a way.
2: Honestly, yes, that's exactly what happened. I went through a really bad divorce a couple years ago And after that happened, I was just like, you know what? I need to just say what I feel and put it all out there. And one of my big goals was to have a book published. So I did it.
0: (laughs) Congratulations. Is this the first time for you?
2: Yes, this is my first Uh, book.
0: Wow, wow. How did that feel when you got that first one? Like when it came in the mail and you open up the box and you get that first physical book in your hands, what was going through your head?
2: Oh, it was so surreal, to be honest. Mm. It had been two years in the making between writing it and dealing with publishers and stuff. And so it was really surreal to finally have it in my hands and see a physical copy. And, you know, it's something you always dream up in your mind. But when it's in reality, it's kind of unbelievable.
0: Wow. Now, can you tell readers what they will expect when they open up this book?
2: <laughs> yes. So a lot of raw emotion, for sure. Mm. I definitely did not hold things back. I chose to break the book into three sections, the pain, the pleasure, and then everything in between, based on mood. Because personally, when I read poetry, I want to kind of read things that resonate with me at that moment. Therefore, my book is broken into sections so that the readers can easily find things that vibe with how they're feeling at the time or that deal with certain things that they may be going through in their life right now.
0: Hmm. Now, From the first time that you put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, however you did it, clear up until it hit stores and people could buy it. What was the most challenging part of the whole thing for you?
2: I think, honestly, the hardest part was talking to my parents. Hmm. There are several poems, especially in the pain section, that talk about my childhood and my upbringing. And my parents and I have a beautiful relationship now, which is so fortunate. But whenever the book did first come out, and whenever they did first get their hands on it and read it, There was some really nice heart-to-heart conversations that Mm. happened as a result.
0: That's fantastic.
2: But yeah, they were pretty nerve-wracking to have those conversations.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it it sounds to me like it's a good thing that they did happen, that it it really helped the relationship.
2: Yeah, it really did. You know, everyone always says honesty is the best policy, and Mm. that's definitely true, but it's easier said than done.
0: Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Would you do this again? Would you think about writing another book?
2: Yes, I've actually started my second book. I have about 100 poems so far. So I'm going to try and do a bigger book this next time with illustrations as well. (laughs) So I'm really excited about that. Not sure what I'm going to title it yet, but I do have plans for a second book.
0: Do you have an illustrator in mind or are you just going to kind of write the poetry and then get to the illustration step whenever that happens?
2: I do have some of the illustrations completed. So I'm primarily a writer and an artist for a living. Oh, you do do both, wow. Yeah, I do both. I do a lot of ink and line art. And so that's why I wanted to incorporate it into my poetry because sometimes that visual aid just adds a little extra that helps you kind of understand where the author is coming from. Right. So yeah, I thought it was a really fun idea to kind of add some of my line work into the book and just do something a little different.
0: Are you much of a reader yourself?
2: I am, yes. Oh,
0: what kind of stuff do you like?
2: Oh, I like a lot. I do like some newer things like Rupi Cower and R.H. Sin, Jen Robinson. They're all really strong writers. Hmm. But I am a sucker for some classics. I really enjoy Poe. I enjoy Carol. And I enjoy Davies a lot. The inverse prose style that Carol and Poe did is just so, you don't see it anymore. Exactly. It's really well thought out and really well structured, and I just find it so beautiful.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's truly a craft, and uh, there are masters out there. So, yes, I encourage everybody to go back and look at the classics because they are worth getting into. And check this book out by Holland. It's called The Pain, The Pleasure, and Everything in Between. Again, written by Holland, published by Fulton Books. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, down the street at your local bookstore, too. Holland, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for writing this book and, I think, helping a lot of people out through it.
2: Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Corey. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. And, yeah, I think it's important to start the discussion on certain things that maybe people aren't the most comfortable talking about. So that way we do get comfortable with it.
0: Hmm. All right, Holland, thanks again.
2: Thank you so much, Corey.
0: My guest right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author David Jenkins. David, thank you for joining me tonight.
3: Uh, Thank you for having me.
0: You've got a new book out, and it's called Jesus is Here. What's it all about?
3: This is what the world's been waiting for. That's what this book's all about. In this book, it actually shows how David laid down his life back in 2016 And that's when the invisible spirit, Colossians 1, Jesus is in the image of the invisible God, and the invisible Jesus took over David. And now I'm here to write the books to show people what the Father's been saying since day one. This is the fourth book the Father's had me write.
0: And about how long were you working on it?
3: On this book, it took, I think it was around three months. Usually when the Father has me write any books, the very first book he had me write back in 2015, called Father, Forgive Us, We Haven't Been Listening, took two months. For the time he told me to write the book, which was middle of February, the book was published. I think it was April 26th of 2015. When I'm certain that he's given me the commandment to write a book, two to three months, it's done.
0: Wow. It worked pretty quickly. What advice would you have, then, for aspiring authors that want to get their work out there as well?
3: Inspiring. Ask our Father to lead you to the King James Version of the Bible and write your books from that.
0: Now, after working for several months on a book and and going through, I'm sure, a lot of edits and and a lot of hoops you got to jump through, it's just a lot of work, and, you know, it's a long time to be working on this. What goes through your head, what feelings, I guess, do you experience whenever you get that first copy in your hands, like the physical copy? What are you thinking when you get that?
3: Well, this book here, the fourth book that the father had me write, was kind of— I was thrilled, but yet nervous, because the father was also at the same time letting me know that this is the one that finally going to break the ice, so to if you will. Mm-hmm. It's metaphorically speaking, because he's had me write four books. Well, as the Bible says, and the Father only lets me use the King James Version of the Bible, but as it says in the Scriptures, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Okay, a lot of pe- things that people do not realize that the Bible today, the Bible is about us today in our lives and the one thing that the fathers had me put in all four books is the bible's one long letter of instructions on how we are to live our lives today so when i got the first book i was all excited thinking you know because at the time i had none of the knowledge that i got now cuz when he took me out and baptized me with the holy ghost he put me in hardcore schooling one on one and that's all i do every day is meditate on the scriptures listen to what he's been saying since day 1 So when I got the first book, I was excited thinking, you know, know, people were going to be excited like I was because we was beginning to learn everything that the Bible was saying, but it was rejected. To this day, out of the four books that the Father and I have written, I don't think there's been 20 books sold Hmm. (laughs) to this day. But on this one right here, when this this one here gets publicized, this is the one he's telling me this one's going to go then from this one people are going to start actually reading all of the books it's kind of a icebreaker so to speak this is where people are going to realize what's going on so it's kind of exciting and kind of I'm kind of nervous about it at the same time because I'm kind of used to being rejected and just writing books
0: <laughs> wow the book is called Jesus is here it was written by David Jenkins published by Christian Faith Publishing you can find it everywhere that you get your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and your traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. David, thanks again for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Likewise. Appreciate it. There's nothing like the love of the people we're closest with. And author Hillary J. Lee celebrates this in her new book, Oh, The Way I Love You. I'm talking with Hillary right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, Hillary, thank you so much for joining me here tonight.
4: Thank you so much for having me today, Corey. I'm very excited.
0: Oh, I'm excited to have you. Could you tell me what Oh, the Way I Love You is all about?
4: Yes, absolutely. So my book, Oh, the Way I Love You, I like to describe it as a short and sweet rhyming story that describes the many ways that we love our little ones And I know that sometimes as a parent or someone who loves little kids, it's sometimes hard to put that into words. And so I wrote this book really as a way for the adult reader to kind of resonate with the love we feel, but also for the child to truly feel that love with each word within the book.
0: Oh, what a great message. Thank you. Uh, About how long were you working on it?
4: It's actually a funny story because when I think back to how the book originated, It became about in a very organic and true and kind of raw way. I was lifting my son who was just a few months old at the time. And I just simply whispered to him, oh, the way I love you. Hmm. And it was a moment of, it was almost as if this spark kind of shot through my body. And I knew, oh, those words just meant something to me. And so in all honesty, I, I actually wrote the book, just the poem in probably about 10 to 15 minutes that very day. Oh, wow. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I just kind of sat on the book for, for some months and kind of prayed over it and read it to my kids, of course, just kind of from memory. When I decided to go ahead and pursue some self-publishing route, I would say it took about a year hmm. after I found the self-publishing company that I worked through and then from the editing and illustration and formatting process to have the you know, physical book in my hand was about a year.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned the illustrations. That's such a huge part of a children's book. What was yes. that like, getting the illustrations to go with your words?
4: Yes, that was a really important part for me because with this book being so personal to my own family, I actually wanted the illustrations to represent my own family. Mm. That's what's represented within these illustrations. I worked with an artist through my publishing company, and it was a situation where I designed every step of the illustration, and then the artist actually created the image for me. Hmm. The images are my actual family, and so it's fun for my kids now to point at the book and say, that's me, or that's you, mommy. Oh, wow. And even the dog is included in it, so that's kind of a fun (laughs) addition to it.
0: Oh, that is a lot of fun. Uh, Have you done this before? Have you ever published, or what's your writing background like?
4: I actually, you know, I've never, this is my first published children's book. I've always truly loved writing as kind of a creative outlet for me. And my full-time job is as a uh, physician assistant in orthopedic surgery. Hmm. So I practice medicine full-time and then just write on the side kind of thing. But I've been published in some uh, journals and just as a featured writer on Love What Matters for a small piece I wrote, but this is the first uh, officially published children's book that I've had, and I'm extremely excited about it.
0: Would you do it again? Would you maybe think about writing another book?
4: Absolutely. I actually have another book kind of in the works. I'm at the very early stages talking about some illustrations and just the very early stages of copyright and things like that. But my book, I'm, I'm hoping to possibly make even into a series, and it will of center around the importance of kindness
0: again just a lot of great messages you're putting out there thank you for writing this the book is called oh the way i love you written by hillary j lee published by fulton books you can find it everywhere you get your reading material you find it on amazon barnes and noble itunes google play down the street at your local bookstore too well hillary thanks again for stopping by the show what a great book you've written here i had a great time chatting with you
4: thank you so much corey i really appreciate it
0: I was going to tell a personal story to lead into this next segment, but then I read the title of the book we're talking about. It's called Who Cares What You Think? It's All B.S. Anyway. Thoughts on the Origins of Personal Stories. The author, James Sibley, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. James, thank you for coming on the show tonight.
5: Well, thank you for having me.
0: I love this book. It's got me intrigued. It's all B.S. anyway. I got to (laughs) know. Can you tell us about it?
5: Really, it's, it, it's, it's how to explore the story creation. Hmm. I mean, we all create stories in different kinds of ways. We create stories to explain all of our experiences and we rationalize our thoughts and justify our actions, but they're done differently. We can go through the same process and come out with completely different conclusions. So we create stories automatically to explain those experiences. And they're, they're biased. Hmm. By default, they're biased because they're about us. It's about, it includes our beliefs, our values, our assumptions. They're all included in it.
0: It reminds me of the saying, you know, reality is perception.
5: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: Exactly. So everyone has a little bit different perception, interpretation of of the exact same event. We've seen that all throughout history. You know, the exact same thing happens. And if 10 people see it, sometimes you get 10 completely different stories.
5: Without a doubt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what inspired you to write this in book format and, and publish it for the
5: world? Well, I had no intention of publishing the book, uh, publishing it as a book. For years, I've been writing snippets, things that I experience and I want to explain or I need to justify to myself, understand myself, I would write a snippet, hmm. and then I would translate that into a story, a short story. I just had a, a, a lot of these in a drawer somewhere, and I shared them with a friend, and they, they said, you should try and publish this. And so some of the, the short stories that you, you see in there are things that I wrote 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago.
0: Oh, wow. So this is your, your, your first experience publishing a book. I'm sure you learned an awful lot because it sure is eye-opening for a lot of people when they start going through the process. What was the most surprising thing to you about everything?
5: Well, the editing process, I mean, I had to go back a number of times to go through and review what was written. Hmm. And I, I'm never satisfied with it, and so I would have still been doing it today if my, had it not been for my wife saying, "You need to go ahead and just get it published." Mm. And she read it; she's read it actually three or four times as part of the editing process. That was challenging for me. Mm. It was very challenging.
0: Would you do it again? Would you think of writing another book and getting something else published?
5: Well, I'm I'm playing with the idea right now. I I actually want to write a children's book mm. to talk about the same concepts. I can't use BS, but I'll <laughs> find another, another moniker for it, but right. I'm thinking about doing a children's book possibly, or a BS remix. Huh. So just some thoughts that I've been bouncing around, and I have put some thoughts down on paper. So I'm not sure whether I'll follow through or not, but I'm thinking about it.
0: I love it. It sounds like you're just taking some creative paths and, and having fun with the with the writing journey.
5: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So being through all of this now for the first time, and like we said, you know, learning an awful lot about the process, what words of wisdom could you give to aspiring authors out there?
5: I used to say a lot that I'm not a writer, so I'll never get this published. I'm not a writer. I just write for me, just uh, trying to analyze and understand who I am and what I'm about. But I would suggest that anyone trying to, to go through and write a book that they don't doubt what they are capable of doing. That's a a big one for me. Just don't doubt. Just go ahead and follow through, do the best you can with it, and just listen to the feedback that you receive. The name of the book is Who Cares What You Think? It's All B.S.
0: Anyway. Thoughts on the Origins of Personal Stories, written by James Sibley, published by Fulton Books. You can get it everywhere that you shop for your books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. James, thank you again for stopping by the show here tonight. I had a nice time meeting you and and finding out about your book.
5: Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. A
0: family is thrown into the chaos of the new world economy in the new novel by Arlene Aiken titled A Convenient Storm. Arlene is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Arlene, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me about A Convenient Storm? It sounds like a really exciting story.
6: It is. It's the story of a White House correspondent who is a rookie, right out of college, and she is kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool, and very quickly finds herself embroiled in a in a financial crisis that is much more than a financial crisis. It's a very quick, fast read. I hope.
0: How did the idea for the story come about?
6: My original kind of passion was to warn about anti-Semitism. Hmm. I personally had a journey where just had no idea the theology or the history of it. But I didn't want it to be didactic. You know, I wanted to kind of address people like myself, but not in a very scholarly way. I wanted it to be interesting and compelling. So I wrote the fiction story as a way to communicate to people some of the subtle traps that become anti-Semitic over time, Hmm. historically.
0: Did you have a, a certain kind of reader, a target audience in mind when you wrote it?
6: Kind of like myself, somebody who just really had never taken the time or was interested enough to go understand the complexities of all of that.
0: What's your writing background like? Have you, have you written or published before this?
6: You know, as a hobby, I have written other novels and completed them, but never pursued doing anything with them. Hmm. So this was the first time I really wanted to take it all the way through to publishing.
0: Wow. I'm sure you learned a lot in doing that for the first time. It's quite involved and can take a long time off. And uh, how long did it take you to go through everything?
6: It took me about a year to write the book, but it took me three or four to rewrite it and rewrite it until it was, you know, something that I was proud of.
0: Wow. What kept you going? So that's, you know, a good, you know, three, four, five years of working on this book and and putting a lot of time into it. During those times when it wasn't that fun anymore, (laughs) when it was getting a little grueling, uh, what kept you going? Was there any any, anything that kept you inspired?
6: Friends, friends were encouraging, like, you know, because you're writing in a room by yourself and you've never done it before. So you're like, wow, am I just kidding myself? And so the encouragement of people who read it and said, no, 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 this is. Wow, come on, keep going. And then also just the absolute, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, this great desire to get this thought process out about anti-Semitism.
0: What were the feelings that you were experiencing when you got that first physical copy in your hands? You take it out of the box and you're holding it. What was going through your head?
6: That, and you know... (laughs) It's not when I got the first copy that's so memorable. It's when I first saw my name and that book on Amazon.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs>
6: I got the email and they're like, you, you know, it's there, it's there. And so I went on to Amazon and we were actually, it was the week before Christmas and New Year's and we were in Jerusalem. And so my husband, bless his heart, he was just determined that we would have a glass of champagne mm. and he had to go in and out of many places before he could find a bottle of champagne and so... <laughs> we sat on this bench in Jerusalem and shared a glass of champagne out of plastic cups. And it was, it was actually so cool. <laughs>
0: that sounds great. Yeah. Certainly memorable and certainly worth celebrating no matter right. the time and place. Cause it is it's a huge thing. Now, do you have advice for aspiring authors? Maybe somebody who is like where you were, you know, right before you published it, had never published a book before. If you could give them a word of advice to help them along the way, what would you say?
6: You know, I'm a big fan of taking concepts and ideas that are complex and beyond what people might go try to really dive into and presenting them weaved into a fictional story that helps people grow Hmm. in their thought processes, but does it in a way that's truly entertaining, which is what, what I hope to have achieved in this book and have been told that I achieved is just this fascinating story. And the byproduct is that you, you know, you learn something along the way.
0: Well, Arlene, thank you for coming on the show. The name of the book is A Convenient Storm, written by Arlene Aiken, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you get your reading material. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick and mortar stores too. Arlene, again, I I really enjoyed having you on the show here. Thank you for writing a book, for putting it out there. Congratulations on your first one. And we're looking forward to many more. Thank you. A hustler struggles to turn his life around after being freed from prison in the new book by Shemaya Israel titled Windows. Shemaya is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Shemaya, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me what Windows is all about?
7: Well, Windows is about basically my life story with a little twist and turns here and there to make it a little bit more interesting, you know. Hmm.
0: What inspired you to write your story? Just things that I went through in life, things
7: that I saw growing up and everything. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, so it was kind of dangerous growing up, kind of different. So that's where my inspiration came from.
0: Was it difficult for you to unearth a lot of the things you've been through and and, and just put it out there for the world?
7: Not really, because I want people to know the story. I want people to know exactly what we go through in New York City and everything like that. The reader that I'm trying to reach and everything, I'm not just trying to look for one junior reader. I want, like, actually everybody to pick up the book and read it and everything. So, because it, it reveals a lot.
0: Hmm. Sounds like you're enjoying the writing process. Does it generally go easy for you, or, or are there a lot of stops and starts? I mean, sometimes it stops and starts because you want to get it right. You want to put
7: the right word in so that everybody can understand what you're talking about. Because. It's like painting a picture. Hmm. You don't want everybody to see it, get their perspective, yeah, but you also want them to see where you were coming from painting that picture right there.
0: Do you ever get writer's block?
7: Once in a while, but that's, like, kind of rare hmm. because it's, like, so much in my mind. Like, everything <laughs> is just out there.
0: Yeah, everything's just begging to get out, so yeah. we don't usually have a problem.
7: <laughs> Definitely.
0: Oh, that's great. So what advice would you have now for writers who, aren't published yet but they want to be published what are some words of wisdom that you might have for them i mean just stick with it just stick with it just don't give up and just be
7: real with whatever you want to write whether it's children's books or whatever just go with your feeling go with your gut feeling and don't ever second guess yourself
0: yeah that's great advice would you say there's a person in your life who's been supportive to you has been influential or or motivational as you've been going down this writing path oh a couple of people my um my aunt, um, she passed away, but she's she was like the main one who
7: pushed me to do everything. She always told me that I'll excel at anything that I wanted to do. Right now, my fiance Samantha, she's excellent support. My mother, yeah, definitely. Mm.
0: It's really important to have a lot of people close to you who are on board with this and on your team and, and rooting for you and encouraging you because it can be trying. It's a long process. so Yeah. And then with work, you know, sometimes you
7: might get sidetracked and everything like that. But they help me stay focused. They push me.
0: Oh, there you go. They hold you accountable as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That's good to have. That is fantastic to have. Definitely. When you got that first copy in your hands, that first physical copy in your hands, can you tell me what was going through your mind?
7: It was unbelievable. Hmm. It was definitely unbelievable. I actually got the first copy in my hands, and There was a couple of people around and they couldn't believe that was my book. They ordered it right away Mm. because I I was sent like 10 copies to start off with, just check out and everything like that. And those 10 copies went like hotcakes and they sent autographs for me and it was just surreal. Mm. It was just, I I mean, I knew it was good work that I did, but I didn't know it was that good. And it was just amazing. It was Mm. the most amazing feeling ever.
0: Well, Shamaya, thank you for writing this and thank you for telling your story and putting it out there to help others. Again, it's called Windows, written by Shemaya Israel. You can buy it everywhere that you pick up your reading material. It is published by Fulton Books. Get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Well, Shemaya, I certainly had a good time talking with you here tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you again for having me. I'm really happy to welcome to the show author Susanna Rogers-Simpson. The title of her new book describes it perfectly. It's called Practical Life Lessons, Words of Wisdom, a Help in Times of Need. Susanna is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Susanna, thank you so much for joining me.
8: Thank you for having me.
0: Can you tell me what Practical Life Lessons is all about?
8: This is a collection of true life stories shared with the intention of inspiring, informing, and encouraging people so that they can have a better life.
0: We certainly need that kind of positivity out there in the world. So thank you for writing this. About how long were you collecting these thoughts and stories and working on the book?
8: That's a funny question because... A lot of people can sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, okay, page one, chapter one, paragraph one, but I write in what I call puzzle pieces, and as I get a thought or an idea or a lesson or an inspiration, I write it down, and and then, you know, when I find another, I collect it, and I wind up with notebooks full of thoughts and pieces of scrap paper everywhere, and so... A lot of the things that I had collected and for many years, so it was, I guess, sort of like a work in progress for a long time, but it wasn't something where I just sat down and just decided to write one day and started writing it. It was things I had collected and lessons I had learned and ideas and thoughts from years
0: yeah, so it's, it's wonderful when you see something sort of take shape like that and sort of have life of its own. And you had no intentions, like you said, of writing a book or releasing a book, but it just sort of happened over time. So it was very organic. Sounds like it's a very honest book. And I think a lot of people that'll that'll resonate with. Yes. So did you have a specific group of people in mind, maybe a target readership for this?
8: Well, that's the great thing about the book. It's very straightforward, simple language. There's no symbolism. There's no tricky wordplay. It's just very basic and very straightforward and an eight-year-old could read it and enjoy it. And so it's for all people, no matter what your education level or your any of that. It's just very simple and straightforward and, and it's meant for anyone.
0: I understand that you have written before. You do have another book out. Can you tell us about your writing background?
8: Mom was really big on reading, and we always seemed to have books everywhere. And we grew up on a small farm in the middle of nowhere, and there wasn't a lot of entertainment. And so when the tours were done and you had downtime, especially on rainy days or in the winter when it was cold, books were our biggest form of entertainment. And she always encouraged us to read and read to us from the time we were little. And it was it was something that we always enjoyed.
0: Do you see yourself releasing another book here down the road?
8: Well, <laughs> I have a something that another collection that. I know that most kids age four to six go through a stage where they start wanting to collect things, whether it's rocks or pennies or stamps or Mm -hmm. baseball cards or something else. And most of us never outgrow it. And most of us have a collection, whether big or small, of things we like or things that make us happy. And I still have a thing for rocks. But I guess what I collect the most is words and combinations Mm -hmm. of words. And I have a fascination with the way you can combine different words to express a thought or an idea. And whenever I find a combination of words that connects with me or that speaks with me on different levels and at different times in my life, I write them down and collect them and they become a part of me. And I've been doing this for years and I've got a large collection of quotes and small sayings and things that, you know, at different points in my journey and different parts of my life, either you know, made an impact on me or made me think about something in a different way or just encouraged me. And so I'm hoping to talk to the publishing company about maybe publishing that as a collection of quotes or something to that effect.
0: Her newest book is out right now and it's called Practical Life Lessons, Words of Wisdom, A Help in Times of Need, written by Susanna Rogers Simpson and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you get your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. well. Susanna, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking.
8: Thank you. Are
0: you ready for the end times? Author Stephen E. Gardner offers his guidance in that regard in his new book, Unprepared, The Unsealing of the Book of Revelation. Stephen's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Stephen, thanks for being here with me. You're welcome. Can you tell me about unprepared? What's the book all about?
9: That is a pretty involved question, but I think there's three things that the book focuses on. One is the error in teaching about the pre-tribulation the rapture position that most of the church holds today. That is an error. The church is going into the tribulation. We're not going to be raptured out. And in the book, I give a multitude of scriptures and evidence to show that that's true. That's one thing. In addition to that, as I was writing the book and developing, getting insight with understanding to write the book, the Lord revealed to me a timeline and the flow of events, and I record those in the book. There is chapters on the order of events where I have the dates attached to them based on the timeline that I got. And then there is another chapter, Order of Events, where I comment on each one of the events that's recorded in the book of Revelation. The book basically goes from chapter 6 to chapter 16 in Revelation, and it stops at chapter 16 because in that chapter, God says, It is finished. It kind of is the end of it, and chapters 17, 18, 19, 20, and the remaining chapters in Revelation are already included in it. That's the second thing. The third thing is the timeline. Hmm. By doing a considerable amount of research through the Bible, and I've been studying it for over 50 years, the Lord showed me, through Scripture, His timeline as to how the events were going to play out, And I was able to plot them on a chart. And those two charts, the order of events flow chart and the timeline chart, can both be downloaded in PDF form from my website, 2595days.com. So those are the three things primarily that I'm dealing with in the book.
0: Uh, With a book... Dealing with this subject matter, this complex, it must have taken a long time to write. Am I right?
9: I've been working on the book, oh, I would say for three years. Uh, I got real serious about it two years ago, and it started to come together. I never realized at the time what was happening. Hmm. But as more I got into it, the more I studied it, and the more I prayed, the more I realized that This was a message that needed to get out, and the Lord confirmed that. It's something he wants the church to know, because the church is totally unprepared for what's coming, as is the world, for that matter. So the events will bear out everything that's written, but yes, it took two to three years to write it.
0: Do you have plans for writing another book?
9: Possibly. There has been some different thoughts that come into my mind, but not knowing what's going to happen, With this book and how it's going to be reacted to, Hmm. I have not made any other plans as it stands right now.
0: This book is called Unprepared, The Unsealing of the Book of Revelation, written by Stephen E. Gardner, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Stephen, thanks again for coming by the show. Thank you for writing this book. It was really nice chatting and getting to know you.
9: Thank you, Corey. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
0: Children and adults alike are inspired to dream in the new book by Debbie Sullivan titled Flight of Fancy, a book of hopes and dreams for children of all ages. Debbie is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Debbie, thanks so much for joining me.
10: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: This sounds like a really great book. Can you tell me about Flight of Fancy?
10: Sure. It's a book that inspires children to hope and dream and to let them know that they are never too old to dream.
0: What a great message. What inspired you to write this? What gave you the idea?
10: Well, I was inspired later in life. I realized that I had unfulfilled hopes and dreams mm. God placed in my heart when I was young. And I knew God wanted me to share with children of all ages that it's never too late to dream. Mm.
0: What do you think holds so many of us back from really pursuing all those hopes and dreams that seem so exciting to us?
10: Well, I think there are a lot of things. I think sometimes life just gets in the way. You know, we grow up and start a family or a career, and we kind of put aside those little childhood dreams that we had. And I'm hoping that this will bring this back to people who, who maybe have forgotten about those dreams.
0: Now, you say this is for children of all ages, but did you have like an ideal sort of age range that this be aimed for?
10: Sure. I think that children of all ages, no matter how old they are, maybe baby, infant, you know, if parents are reading the book to them all through their growing up years and then on even into older children. And I'm also hoping that it inspires the parents who are reading the books to the children or the grandparents if they have dreams from their youth that they never saw come to fruition, maybe it will motivate them to start hoping and dreaming again. And
0: that's really important because if you inspire the parents to dream and they live their lives pursuing their dreams, then their children will see that. And it'll inspire their children to maybe go out on the limb and start pursuing their hopes and dreams as well.
10: Exactly. And I've also included in the book Bible verses that relate to each of the pages, and it just kind of gives them an idea of what God thinks about their hopes and dreams. So I'm hoping that that will inspire children and adults as well.
0: Now, I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way. Would you have anything you could offer as advice for aspiring authors who are about to go down that same path?
10: Sure. I would say that Don't let fear get in the way of pursuing your dream of writing or publishing a book. There's so many ways that you can find the help that you need. and, And, you know, just don't let that fear hold you back.
0: Great advice. Would you say there's a person in your life who's maybe been most inspirational or supportive during your whole journey here?
10: Well, I would say my husband and my Children and grandchildren. Hmm. They were all behind me in the writing of this book, and I actually took dreams and hopes that each one of my grown children had growing up throughout their life, and I incorporated them
0: into the book. Well, that's wonderful. And when you go to write, do you have a routine you get into? Like some people have a certain place they like to go to, or at a certain time, maybe be listening to something special. Do you have anything like that?
10: Yeah, um, my mornings or I'm a morning person, so that's the best time for me. And, you know, I would pray and sit in my living room and talk to God. And he just kind of gave me the words. They just flowed out onto the paper. Mm -hmm. You know, as I was talking with him and and giving him my thoughts, they just kind of poured out onto the paper. And that's how it how it went.
0: Well, the name of the book is Flight of Fancy, a book of hopes and dreams for children of all ages written by Debbie Sullivan, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you buy your books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop as well. Debbie, thanks again for coming on the show. It was really great meeting you and talking with you.
10: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Readers dive into Native American history in author Samuel E. Hunter's new book, Indian Rock Writings, The Battle of Bear Paw. An Ancient History Written in Stone. Samuel is joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sam, thanks for being here with me.
11: Well, thank you, Corey, and thank you for interviewing me.
0: It is my pleasure. In this book, it seems like you have some really interesting history. Can you tell me about it?
11: Yeah, the history is based on what Native Americans wrote some five to 7,000 years ago. Hmm. But for the last 200 years, we've all been taught that the Indians had no form of writing. And I take exception to that.
0: Wow. How were these writings unearthed? Well, a friend of mine
11: took me out to a place called Inscription Canyon near Barstow, California. And we were looking at these things and trying to figure out what they were all about. And nobody could tell us. Hmm. 27 years later... Well, actually, it was 18 years later. I finally figured out what it was about in relationship to the rock faces looking like the terrain that was out there. And slowly but surely, I began to realize what these little symbols meant. And I just, it took me 27 years to put it all together.
0: Wow. So were you working on the book then that whole time, the 27 years to? get this ready to release?
11: No, I wasn't actually working on the book itself. That mm. took about two years to write. Mm. But it was the 25 years of field research. Mm. It was a case of nobody could give me anything to read so that I could understand what I was looking at. So I had to go find out.
0: Wow. Now, after taking 25 years worth of research and taking two years to write that into book format. Was that an easy thing for you, or was it a difficult project to compile everything and then put it out there so that people would understand?
11: <laughs> well, it was actually pretty difficult because the book does not adhere to the Chicago standard of academic structure. The book is written in the form of an associative structure, which is the way the petroglyphs are written. Hmm. One image is related to another image, related to another image, and you put all those together because, you know, 7,000 years ago, they didn't have pencils and paper
0: and especially erasers. It took a while to figure out how to write it. If you were to give some words of advice to aspiring authors, what would you tell them? Be tenacious. Hmm.
11: Don't ever give up. A lot of times you have to motivate yourself Hmm. to stay at it because. There are all kinds of people out there, all kinds of critics who will have all kinds of suggestions and reasons why you're not going to succeed, Hmm. but they've never written a book themselves. Exactly. (laughs) So you just
0: got to hang in there and keep struggling, keep working. Hmm. I encourage everyone to check this out. It's called Indian Rock Writings, The Battle of Bear Paw, An Ancient History Written in Stone. This is written by Samuel E. Hunter and published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Samuel, thank you so much again for joining me tonight. Uh, What an interesting book you've written here. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Corey. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.